It's the One Foot Down Podcast. Celebrating a milestone today, our 40th episode. I'm Eric Murtaugh, back as your host. Doing my DJ thing over again from a small town in Chautauqua County, New York. This is the Stanford Review slash North Carolina Preview. I almost did this podcast on Saturday night. Um, Just the emotions were flowing. Uh, drinking some beers, thought, hey, maybe it'd be a good idea to uh, to hop on and, and get this thing recorded like I haven't done before in the past. And uh, decided, you know what, I'll just wait. I'll wait a little bit, uh, let everything settle. Um, decided to watch more football and kind of get started writing some stuff about the game um, that went up on Monday. Uh, that was a little bit longer than I usually have been doing. Uh, over 2,000 words. I haven't really done that in a while for a review. But here I am. It's Wednesday night. Uh, I'm going to talk about that Stanford game. Quite a memorable game. Uh, I'll preview the Tar Heels and then maybe get into the uh, the Maroon 5 at the end. Uh, kind of updating Twitter here as I, as I tape this. Still nothing major has broken in that story yet. We're kind of expecting something this week. We'll see how that plays. So the Stanford game, I mean, wow, it was it's tough to put into words. I really I was worried once Stanford took that seven nothing lead. I didn't want Notre Dame to play from behind in this game. I thought they did a really good job you know, battling Stanford. Uh and it's interesting, Kelly kind of said that Stanford didn't really man ball it as much as they thought they would and that's one of the reasons why Ben Council didn't play was they didn't Stanford wasn't going into two tight end sets and they were going through wide receivers a lot more and they were glad that Stanford did that. They thought that played into their hands, uh, which is interesting because Notre Dame was doing really well at shutting down the run. Maybe Stanford could have grinded them down a little bit more in a close game. Who knows? But once Stanford took that seven nothing lead, I was like, oh no, this could be trouble. You know the weather's obviously terrible and the the running game for Notre Dame wasn't really doing great and putting it all on Golson's shoulders. I didn't really want to see that. And, um, but you know, everything worked out. I mean, this is a big win for Notre Dame. Um, kind of feels like they stole a little bit of momentum in the series away from Stanford. Won two straight at home against Stanford. Hopefully they can continue that at least. I mean, I'm not going to say that Stanford's going to fall off the face of the earth and, Winning at Palo Alto is going to be easy now in the next couple of years. Uh, but at least winning home games is, is, is a good start to uh, reversing course in, in the past half decade in that series and that rivalry. Uh, kind of disappointed with Golson's turnovers. I thought, I didn't, I don't know, there wasn't a great angle on his fumble. It just looked like, I don't know, he, he does carry the ball recklessly at times. Um, I didn't think he held the ball terribly on that play. I, I could be wrong. Uh, I just think that's one of those instances where, you know, I don't think he is a very good runner in the style of a running back. He's he's very mobile, obviously. He can make a guy miss. But and if he was a running back, I've said this before, if he was a running back, he would be like 50 times more frustrating than, you know, what we're feeling with Greg Bryan right now. And I think that was just a, a Stanford defender. Got the got his his helmet on the ball perfectly. And, and you know, Golson's not very big. He's 
got relatively skinny arms, not really super strong like someone like, you know, Greg Bryant would be with his 500 pounds of muscle. So, but the, the interception was just, man, that that's really disappointing because if there's one thing you could really look to with Golson, it's that he protects the ball and doesn't throw bad interceptions. He's thrown a couple in his career. Uh, the one against Pitt 2012 was like probably up there as, as maybe his worst ever. Luckily, he came back and won that game. But this one is just really stupid. I mean, he's going out of bounds, just already deep in Stanford territory, and just tries to fire a pass into someone who had a defender draped over him or, you know, basically not even open at all. Just a really stupid pass. But hopefully he's getting that all out of his system. He's now got three picks on the year. So is it three? I'll have to double-check that. I, I think he's at three. I was looking at someone else's stats. I yeah, the pick six against Syracuse and then the overthrow against Syracuse, so that would be uh, three interceptions. I kind of thought this year that he would probably, since he's probably going to be throwing the ball you know, quite a bit more than he did in 2012, that he's probably going to be in the eight to 12 interceptions. Okay, he's at three picks through five games. That's pretty good. I mean, if he stays under 10, I think you have to live with that, you know, three picks this year on 178 attempts. That's, that's good. You just don't want to see the, a pick six or a dumb interception like that. I think you can live with a, you know, a pass over the middle that gets picked off at the 35 yard line of the opponent and, you know, the drive stalls out. But if you want to get points on the board, uh, especially in that type of game against Stanford, uh, yeah, it's a dumb move by Golson, but uh, you know, I, I thought the defense, this year, I mean, I, I can't even put it into words how good they've been playing. You know, I predicted eight and four this year. I didn't think the defense was really going to be uh, as good as they have been. I thought they would surprise some teams early on with their blitzing. Obviously, they're doing that. They're still doing that. Game five. Um, I know I saw something tweeted by Irish Illustrated about the zone blitzes that Notre Dame did against Stanford's, you know, like 12 of them they did, and Stanford gained like some ridiculously low amount of yards and threw a pick on it. And, you know, so a team like that with a, with a good quarterback or at least an experienced quarterback is still struggling with some of those blitzes. I'll be interested to see how, you know, games nine, 10, 11, 12, how those blitzes are, are, are being handled by the opponent. I'm really interested to see how Florida state deals with that because uh, one of those things when Jameis Winston was, you know, on his way to winning the Heisman was he just destroyed teams that blitzed on him. You remember he had some gaudy stats uh, all season long. He was like, you know, like 85% completion, you know, like crazy amount of touchdowns and like barely any interceptions. And he, I think if they can confuse Winston in a couple of weeks, I mean, that's just amazing. It, it is kind of strange because Brian Goder has set the bar so high already you know, you're kind of wondering, well, when's this defense going to come back down to earth? Is it going to be in Tallahassee in a couple of weeks? Is it going to be, you know, Navy? I mean, is that going to be a struggle? Like, can we write Navy off just because they're Navy? And, you know, maybe it'll be Arizona State. They have a good offense. Is USC going to spoil something at the end of the year? And then, you know, what if this defense does play this way the whole whole season? You know, what's next year going to look like? I mean, expectations are going to be through the roof 
one of the players that Notre Dame wasn't going to get back next year, um, Ishak Williams, he's not playing right now, and he might not come back next year. So, I mean, they're doing that without someone, you know, that wasn't going to be back next year anyway. So, I mean, that's another person that stepped in, uh, you know, and Isaac Rochelle or Andrew Trimbetti is going to be a returning starter. That's another returning starter to have back. Oh, my God, this defense, where are they going to go if they continue to play this well? I mean, it's it, I hate to look at it that way. It's kind of the Notre Dame type of way of looking at things. But, uh, you know, he's set – Brandon Van Gorder set the bar so high right now. and You just wonder if at some point they have to come down back to earth. Hopefully it's it's a gentle a gentle fall and not something that's too crazy. Uh, the second half of this game against Stanford, it really felt like Notre Dame took complete control. If, if you read my review, I said Notre Dame entered Stanford territory 10 times in that game. And, I mean, if that – happens in, in good weather, you think they probably score, you know, 25, 30 points easily. You'd think that. I mean, just on the mistakes alone in this game, Notre Dame probably should have scored 27 points. Um, and then in the second half, every single drive went into Stanford territory. And, you know, they punt, some conservative punting early on. Um, but – Missed a couple, missed a field goal, hit a field goal. Finally, got that touchdown at the end. Really felt like Notre Dame took control. Uh, that scoring drive by Stanford when they took the ball at seven thirty-two. Oh my God, super frustrating drive. I really didn't think that Notre Dame was ever in danger of losing the game, and I think it was kind of strange to watch. I, I tend to watch games alone. I'm one of those Notre Dame fans, uh, and, and unless it's a special occasion, uh, then we'll be going somewhere. But I like to usually watch it in isolation, just, you know, doing some things on the site after kind of working for me, basically. I mean, it's kind of a job. But, you know, I was kind of content the whole game, quiet, kind of liked what the defense was doing. I thought eventually Golson and the offense were going to get something done. They finally get that field goal to go up by three. I really thought that sealed it, and then boom, Montgomery gets the the kickoff, takes it back forty something yards. They complete a couple passes. All of a sudden, they're you know in Notre Dame territory, and you're thinking, "Oh my God, okay, this isn't good." But they still, I mean, the way the defense is playing, Stanford's gonna have to kick a field goal. That's not a given. They've already missed one on a bad snap, so okay, we're still good. And then that play where three Irish players surrounded Hogan, it would have been third and forever, and. A, and you're thinking, oh, we're gonna—they're gonna punt, and we're gonna get the ball back and eat the clock, and this game's gonna be over. And oh God, Hogan got out of it and was able to save that play. And then they, Hogan throws that complete rainbow. I don't know how that pass was complete. Um, I mean, it was like the one corner. If he would have broke off his route covering the receiver, he, he probably could have picked that off. But he didn't see the ball and. Farley got beat a little bit and just couldn't recover in time, and the ball just drops right in there, and all of a sudden they're first and goal. And then and now you're thinking, oh, my God, if they get a touchdown here, is the offense going to be able to come back? They haven't driven down the field and scored the whole game. I mean, that was, that was a pretty crazy ending, as I'm sure everyone felt. And then even on that first and goal, Notre Dame stops them for nothing. Then they get a – they stop Montgomery for a loss of one, and then it's third and 11. And you're thinking, okay, this is, they're in a good spot. Stanford probably has to throw here, and 
I mean, at that point, I mean, I'm thinking this could be an interception more than a touchdown for Stanford or, uh, you know, maybe a holding call or something like that. Although Stanford, for whatever reason, doesn't get called for holding. Um, some sort of magic voodoo they have over the refs. But then they score on that draw play, and you're just like, oh, my God, this isn't the way this game's going to end, is it? And Awesome drive by Notre Dame to come back and win the game. P. Burns broke that down on the site today, looking at every single play. Um, you know, again, I, I tend to stay pretty even keel during the games. Uh, and even on that touchdown to Koyak, I just kind of sat there thinking, all right, did he get his feet in? Did he control the ball? I think that's a that I think you know I'm not anti replay. I, I I tend to think replay adds a lot to sports nowadays. Um, but that I think we're just conditioned, or at least I am, to on big plays like that not to go crazy because you know that the replay's coming and uh, you never know what could happen. And you know they showed the replay pretty quickly and you could see Koyak's feet were still and he controlled the ball all the way through. So that was really exciting and just. Uh, just a great ending for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, the wreckage of week six, it looked like they maybe they were going to move up into the top three, really. I mean, but then the Mississippi, Mississippi schools leaped them in the in the poll, so they're kind of at number five, number six, uh, and the coaches in the AP poll, respectively. Uh, not sure what to make out of Stanford. Really good defense. Um, didn't seem like a lot of people on the site really believed that they had a good defense. I'm um, not really sure why that is. I know, you know, some of the Harbaugh, oh, most of the Harbaugh guys are gone. But, uh, you know, they still got a couple of them there. Everyone up front was a fifth-year senior. I mean, a really good defensive line. Secondary, except for the one safety. I mean, the other three players are all probably NFL players. Their corners are really good. Uh, but you know what? I think. We're seeing this Notre Dame team is really talented. If this game was in and, and really nice weather, is it really that hard for for Golson to throw for 350 yards against that Stanford secondary? I mean, he threw 267, I think it was, in all that crappy weather with all those drops. Uh, you know, just they're explosive and, and in kind of a controlled way. You know, they don't have a whole ton of big plays. That's one of the things I'll talk about here with the North Carolina preview. They don't have – neither of those teams have a whole lot of big plays on their resume. But, you know, Notre Dame's able to get 12, 15, 20 yards a lot and, and pretty easily with Golson. Uh, I just I just hope that they can open up things with a run game uh, in the future, and I think that really is going to start with, you know, the offensive line kind of figuring things out uh, – and I'll talk about that a little bit later too, but I think Golson really has to improve on his running. I, I don't know if he's not the same type of runner, if the weight gain has affected him. He's still getting away from guys in the pocket. It doesn't seem like he's quite as explosive as he used to be. I can't stand when he – and granted, he did this on the game-winning touchdown pass, but it's like the C parts in front of him – when he steps up into the pocket and he like jab steps north south and then just kicks it back out, you know, especially in that type of game against Stanford, just run and get your three to four yards and slide. You'll be all right. I don't know if he was feeling, 
you know, remembering the game against Stanford when he got hurt a couple of years ago, I think he ran for like six or seven yards. He kind of got, he ran up the middle for six or seven yards. He got, I think a guy got his legs or something and twisted him around. And then the other guy came around and hit him as he was falling. I don't know if that was in the back of his head. I know there was definitely one part in the game where he literally had open space, but there were three defenders kind of watching him. But I mean, you get five yards to slide and he didn't, he jab stepped, he broke out of the pocket and I think threw in incompletion or something. I, I really think he's got to work on getting up field vertically when he sees space uh, up the middle because, I mean, you watch someone like Brett Hundley, he single-handedly at times just keeps UCLA in a game because, you know, he looks downfield, goes through a couple progressions, you know, sees the pocket kind of surrounding him on the sides, and then he just bolts up field for 10 yards, boom, first down. Like, Golson's athletic enough where he can do that for this offense, but for whatever reason, it's just not happening. Uh, you're not even going to talk about his inability to to really to really read the option uh, and read the defensive end that crashes down. I don't know if that's ever going to be there, uh, but man, he he's so athletic and and so quick. I mean, I mean, I know there's concerns with him fumbling, but like I said. I think he's more apt to fumble when he's, you know, ad-libbing and trying to, uh, you know, make plays and, 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 and still throw the balls. He's dancing around and jab-stepping and then trying to get outside the pocket and around guys and square up his hips and throw the ball. I mean, that, I always think that's more dangerous than him, you know, tuck the ball, run, and slide. And I think he really has to improve on his sliding and improve on – Knowing when he's got enough yardage, when you see him run, and you remember when Zaire had that long run against Rice? I mean, he took the ball, he was gone. Like, he was running. If he was going to get tackled, the guy was going to have to tackle him hard. Golson doesn't really run like that. He kind of takes three steps and kind of, like, dances a little bit and takes three steps and kind of, like, assesses the situation and kind of breaks one way and then breaks the other way, and he – you get caught from behind and that's how you fumble. And then if, again, if this can't run like that. So I hate to harp on that, but I think that's really a, a key for Notre Dame's offense moving forward uh, in some of these tougher games, getting Golson going in that, in the run game. Great win against Stanford, uh, North Carolina coming up this weekend. Uh, just checked the spread is now 17 points. Kind of surprising when you look at, I don't know what it was in the in the preseason or back in the summer. This was always a game we've had circled as a trap game. I'll talk about that in my my preview. But 17 points feels like a lot when you look at it from back in the preseason. Uh, you know, North Carolina struggled this year. They've struggled really in the beginning of all the seasons. They've been coached by Larry Fedora. 70 points, kind of a lot for a team like North Carolina, but, uh, man, they're a tough team to evaluate, really. Look at some of their traditional statistics, and they are just brutally awful. I mean, some of the worst in the Power 5 conferences, especially on defense. They've had some really strange games, though, which really kind of makes me wonder what kind of team we're going to see on on Saturday. They've had a bunch of 
turnovers that went against them. They've had a bunch of turnovers that were like big in their favor, some safeties and just weird stuff. They're playing two quarterbacks and I don't know what's going on with that situation. Uh, I guess I could start there with the fact that they're playing this retro freshman, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, He's played the third series of every game, but he's played a lot more than that. For whatever reason, they put him in on the third series of every game. Um, I think it was the third game. He only played the third series, but he's played numerous series. I think probably totaled up. He's played close to 20 series this season. I mean, that's a lot for – I mean, that's one of the big reasons why North Carolina was ranked to start the year, for one thing, and two – considered to be a, a dark horse contender in the ACC was that their other quarterback, Marquise Williams, played pretty well last year. And, uh, you know, they lost Bryn Renner, their experienced quarterback, and ended up winning a lot of games once Renner went down and they finished the season really strong. Obviously, for whatever reason, college football loves when a team finishes strong. They think it carries over the next season. It hasn't happened for North Carolina. But Williams was one of those reasons why everyone thought that North Carolina was going to be good, thought he would progress. You look. You talk to some of the North Carolina fans. They don't understand why the redshirt freshman's playing. It doesn't seem to make sense to them. Williams is a really good runner. Uh, he had 19 carries last week against Virginia Tech. He leads the team in carries and yards. Uh, he did the same thing last year. They use a lot of running backs, so that helps. Uh, you know, a run a quarterback lead the team in, in in those categories. It's not like they have one runner that gets all the carries out of the backfield or one running back, excuse me. So, you know, I think the one thing with with Williams is he's not really a great passer. He, he, he can be decent. He did some good things against Clemson, uh, you know, even last week. Uh, he, did, he showed some flashes. Turns the ball all over a little bit, but, you know, this Trubisky kid, you know, he's hasn't thrown the ball a whole lot. He's got 40-something – let me check that. He's got 49 passing attempts, and he's already thrown three picks. So, I mean, that's a pretty pretty terrible ratio. So I'm interested to see if how much he's going to play this weekend against Notre Dame. I've read some stuff from North Carolina people that just want that to end completely. Uh, they're surmising that Trubisky is playing well in practice and – Fedora must see some sort of long-term future with him, but man, I mean, we have Marquise Williams. You can run. He's been, seems like he's a better passer. I mean, I've watched some of their some of their film. I mean, good athlete, pretty good arm. Clearly, he's not throwing three picks on forty-nine passes. So uh, I don't know why they would go with someone else. So we'll see how that plays out. Elijah Hood makes his uh, return to Notre Dame. Former Notre Dame commit. Uh, he was a near five-star recruit last year, signed with North Carolina after feeling some pressure from his family. He's been having a pretty poor year. Uh, the whole running back crew from North Carolina has been has been pretty bad this year, mostly due to North Carolina's offensive line. Lost a couple seniors last year, or lost a couple seniors coming into this year that graduated. They've been, had some injuries. Shuffled some guys around, playing some guys while their guys are injured. I think they should have who what most consider their best lineman. He's back. He played last week against Virginia Tech, but a couple right tackles are banged up and uh, just not a very cohesive line at all. 
you know, we talked about Notre Dame having some troubles running the ball this year and, and, and North Carolina and the raw numbers is quite a bit lower than the Notre Dame and their running backs are only averaging like 80 something yards a game. So yeah, that's going to be tough for them to beat Notre Dame if they can't run the ball a whole lot. Uh, defensively, they run a three, three, five. I mean, they're, they're pretty small. Their, their offensive line is pretty small too. So we'll see if Notre Dame kind of muscles them out of this game. I, I wonder how conservative the game plan is going to be. You know, trap game and all. I wonder if Notre Dame is going to come out really aggressive and try to put this game away quickly or if they're thinking, okay, let's try to get some more younger players in there, maybe a couple tight, two tight end sets, run the ball on this kind of smallish 5DB defense, try to get things going that way, keep the – the uh, North Carolina offense off the field. Because, you know, this North Carolina offense does have some weapons. Uh, Switzer and Davis at wide receiver. They have talented running backs. I mean, if this offensive line could get their act together, this could be a pretty explosive offense. They've scored 30 points in four out of their five games. So it's not like they're complete duds. I mean, you look at a lot of their stats and kind of the reasons why they're, they've lost three games already really lays at the feet of the defense who've been pretty bad this year. You know, advanced stats for this game are a little bit more kind of to, to, uh, to the heels. They're on the 87th in S and P defense. I mean, you look at some of their, the raw numbers they are in the one twenty. So, you know, they've played some good offensive. They played it offenses. They played East Carolina Clemson. I mean, Deshaun Watson, true freshman. He's an amazing player. He, he carved him up. Uh, Virginia tech kind of didn't really do a whole lot of great things on offense. They, Saw some turnovers from North Carolina, some short fields. They were able to pile things on that way. Switzer fumbled a punt, so that kind of sealed the game with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. So trap game, we know it's a trap game. Uh, you know, the 17-point spread, I, I haven't finished my article yet. I'm thinking they're probably not going to cover that. I kind of sense a backdoor cover here from North Carolina. I think Notre Dame will have this one in hand. I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout, you know, maybe 18-point lead or 19-point lead, something like that, maybe three-touchdown lead into the fourth quarter. And, you know, Fedora is a pretty good offensive coach. He does some different things, uh, you know, kind of similar to Brian Kelly, spread spread coach, uh, pass first. Uh, So, you know, I can see North Carolina maybe moving the ball late in the late in the fourth quarter and picking up some more points to uh, to cover the spread. I I think, you know, it's almost as if if we keep talking about this being a trap game, we kind of feel like it won't be a trap game. But you know, the game's played on the field of the players, and meant, I think it's more of a trap game mentally. They Coach Kelly said the team was pretty good physically after the Stanford game. Usually, they're really beat up, and 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 you know that. Monday after the game, or the Sunday and the Monday after the game is really a healing couple of days for them. It wasn't like that this this week. So, I mean, that's good. Physically, hopefully, there's not a whole big of a letdown. But, you know, this is college football, and we know from watching all these games every week, it's hard mentally to, to play a game like that against Stanford and come back the next week against a team that everyone's saying is terrible and stinks. Uh, and, and play well and, and play sharp, play focused. Uh, I think it'll be a big sign if 
this is a big blowout for Notre Dame, and they can head into uh, the game against Florida State with a lot of momentum. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just not expecting that. Just too much history, uh, you know, just overall history in the game, history with Notre Dame. They, they covered last week kind of the mojo, I think, switches back the other way. It's always typically a 50-50 bet with covering the spread, and 17 points is kind of a lot when you look at it from, like I said, back in the summer, this wasn't a game where everyone thought Notre Dame was going to have a huge advantage, and North Carolina still has a lot of talented players. Uh, their defense, for whatever reason, isn't performing the way it should, but it's not like they lost a crap ton of players on that side of the ball. Maybe you know something's just not right, and they'll be able to get things figured out. And Like I said, North Carolina has not started well over the past three seasons, and they've ended really well uh, over the last two years, and maybe we'll see that again uh, this year. So I think it's going to be a frustratingly close game for a lot of folks, but that's just the way it goes. That's the way it is for Notre Dame, a lot of these, for a lot of these opponents. So we shall see. Uh, update with the Maroon 5. Today's Wednesday. We thought we might hear something yesterday on Tuesday. Nothing really has come out yet. We're still waiting to hear something. There's some stuff here on the pay sites uh, kind of slowly creeping out, not very positive at all. Some stuff about all the players being expelled. Uh, nobody knows if that means they'll be able to come back, if those players will want to come back. I, I mean, this you know, I, this is going to be tough. I, let's put it this way. I think – the majority of the players in that group, if they miss the rest of the season, aren't coming back. I don't think that's really a whole big uh, crazy opinion on my behalf. Uh, you know, you look at Daniels, likely gone no matter what. Uh, I don't see him with his past struggles with academics, you know, putting this behind him and setting out this year and possibly having to reapply again for a second time when he can just go to the NFL and possibly come back at some point in the future and finish up his degree. Kind of feel the same way with, 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 uh, Ishaq Williams, true senior. I mean, this is senior year. He could pretty close to graduating. You kind of feel bad for these guys that they put so much time into this semester and it's going to go to waste if they indeed are, are, are expelled or kicked out or suspended academically or whatever you want to call it, whatever happens, whatever doesn't happen. I'm just saying uh, that's just a tough deal for them. I mean, some of the, the reports that are leaking out, some of the rumors doesn't really look good for them, which probably means that uh, whatever they did was, was pretty, was pretty dumb and, and, and you kind of have to look at them and say, Hey, you got to live with your decisions there. But uh you know, the only really the only player this, this whole time that I thought was it was really a tragedy for was Kavari Russell, and that's because uh, not just because he was kind of perceived as the best player out of that group. I mean, you maybe could argue that Daniels was better, but I don't think a whole lot of people would make that argument. Um, I think there's a little bit of frustration that Ishak was poised to have a really good senior year after being kind of disappointing as a five-star player for through his first three years, 
But Kavari Russell was like a shoe-in as a captain, a leader of the defense, just overall seemed like a great kid. And I hate to even talk in the past tense here. But, I mean, if he is expelled and doesn't come back or doesn't re- reapply or doesn't get to reapply and or anything like that happens, I mean, that's just it's, that's just really sad. Uh, you know, just not only because of the football, but, now, he's a true junior, so it's not like he's really super close to graduating. I, I wonder if – because there's been some talk about, well, four of them are going to be expelled and maybe one won't. I've always wondered if that one was Russell because he's so far away from graduating relative to, you know, someone like Ishak who's a senior or, uh, you know, Kendall Moore who's a fifth-year senior and has already graduated – so I, I wonder if there's going to be a window or a door open for Russell to come back uh, possibly in the spring if he does get expelled for the semester. But then, hey, does he want to come back? Um, you know, he said some things over social media that kind of hinted at the fact that he's going to get his degree. You know, you kind of have to get back. You have to come back uh, in January and kind of keep going with this whole thing at Notre Dame. I don't, I don't know how these guys are going to react. Maybe he – was kind of thinking he, uh, at the time when he said that stuff, maybe he was thinking, uh, I'm not going to get suspended and I'm coming back this year and I'm going to get my degree. Uh, if he does get suspended, maybe he changes his mind. So uh, it's just a tough situation. You kind of feel for all the parties involved. Uh, I never really felt like Notre Dame was being egregious with their handling of this. Uh, this whole thing has been just really weird for me because it broke when I was on my honeymoon and it, it's just been really strange for me to start the whole thing in that capacity coming home from out of the country and reading all these emails about this stuff. And it is kind of sad and crazy and disappointing that we're still talking about it and we don't have any resolution, but all we have to do is deal with reality. So we'll see what happens with these guys. Uh, definitely looks like they're not playing this week against North Carolina. If they do come back, uh, if some of them do come back, and um, we'll see if they come back for Florida State. 40th episode, uh, milestone for us. Hopefully you guys are enjoying these little talks. And uh, we'll be back after the North Carolina game. Hopefully Notre Dame 6-0. and uh, Maybe moving up the rankings a little bit. There's a big SEC game that should knock a top five team out. They can't tie anymore, so that's pretty much a guarantee. Uh, I'm Eric Murtaugh. We'll see you on this site, and uh, go Irish.